0: Hi, Satellite Sisters. We're excited to announce our new weekly newsletter, Pep Talk. That's right. It's happening. A little pep talk in your inbox on Fridays. Every issue will be short and sweet with podcast highlights, our recommendations for books, TVs and films that are going to keep you entertained, plus recipes and other, you know, tidbits. And of course, there'll be a little pep talk because we all need that right now, don't we? It's the perfect newsletter to enjoy and then share with your satellite sisters and misters. You can find sign-up links all over the place, on our social media, on our website, on our Facebook, on our Instagram. We would love to have you sign up for Pep Talk now. Thanks. I'm Lian Dolan, and I'm here from Pasadena, California. I'm the youngest sister. I'm a writer and producer, and I'm very happy to be here today. Liz?
1: Lian, I'm happy to have you here today. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm here in Santa Monica, California with my dog, Hooper. I am a marketer and a podcaster, and I feel like we have so much to talk about today. Julie?
2: So much happiness. Here at the top of the show, sisters. Hi, <laughs> I'm Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I live in Dallas, Texas. I'm an empty nester. I'm an urban nana or suburban nana. I have five grandchildren. That's what I call myself. And uh, like my sisters, I am delighted to be with everybody
0: today. Liz, I know you wanted to acknowledge that last week was listener appreciation week. And you just yeah. wanted to appreciate the listeners one more time. Just one more time. Just one final time.
1: You guys did a bang up job. We we were off last week because we gave the stage to you. There were some great interviews with you that we posted in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. I hope you enjoyed our episode the week before, which was all about you. So we enjoyed just thinking about you last week. So we hope you did too. <laughs> that was the first time we had ever tried that. And I personally feel like it was a huge success, sisters.
2: I think it's going to be an annual thing,
1: Liz.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I loved every aspect of it. There was a lot of back and forth on the Facebook page, too, with all kinds of things and listeners getting together and interacting in a different way. I thought it was wonderful. So, yes, we appreciate you. Uh, Today on the show, coming up, we have um, comedian, writer Michael Ian Black is going to join us. He has a new book out called A Better Man, A Mostly Serious Letter to My Son. It's a really thoughtful, uh, even though he's a comedian, it's... It's a funny and thoughtful uh, book uh, uh, to his teenage son. He's headed off to college, so Michael wanted to put down his thoughts on manhood, and it's pretty interesting. I really enjoyed it. Julie, I know you did, too. So we're going to talk to him from his home in Connecticut. Um, cooking with Liz, it just carries on, Liz. You're <laughs> What's... What's what's, from, what's happening this week? <laughs> well, this is the week of Scala Potatoes, Lee, and I'm just doing what, you
1: t- what you're going to be coaching me on. So more on that later. But I would say the Chateaubriand uh, was a triumph. So that's, that's I it. I
2: can't even believe those words are coming out of me. <laughs> it's still so shocking. I mean, it's 2020, so anything can happen. Yes. And now Liz Dolan is cooking Chateaubriand. So,
0: that's it. Yep. Okay. Make it's the most of it, people. It's a good point, Julie. Okay. Also this week on the show, we have entertaining sisters. We have some good recommendations for you. Uh, we have some female firsts that have happened over the last couple of weeks since we've been off. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, but first we're going to start with a COVID report. And I just, we all want to shout out to the healthcare workers all across the country. We know that we have a lot of doctors and nurses and hospital personnel in the satellite sisterhood. We just want to thank you for everything you're doing right now. We know we also have a lot of essential workers working everywhere from hospice units to grocery stores, supporting communities. A big thanks to you. Let's let's keep them safe with our actions. Is what you I were would right, say. Leanne. Yes. Uh, yeah.
2: Well said, Leanne. Well said. Because sisters, you know this, that uh, my grandson Ben got COVID. Uh, Fortunately, it was a mild case. He has fully recovered. And I'm happy to say he's back at school, which is great. Um, But because I had picked him up from school and driven him to an after school activity during the period when he was asymptomatic, that I've had to quarantine for two weeks uh, just to be safe. Um, I have been fine, no problem. But during the quarantine, I also took to ordering my groceries online and having them delivered, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. what you do. So the first time I did that, uh, the delivery guy arrives. Um, I don't wanna open the door, so he's just standing outside the door and he said, you know, I have your groceries, um, and here's your lobster. <laughs> like,
1: ooh, <laughs> ooh, really going wow. for it, Joel. <laughs> That's quite a quarantine.
2: I didn't order a lobster. I mean, I you know I have done online sh- uh, shopping before, and I'm pretty sure that I did not press the lobster button. I, I just you know I knew I didn't order it, but he was holding up the lobster in a in a plastic bag filled with ice. It was like a three pound lobster. <laughs> And I didn't want to get, like, into an argument with the delivery guy about the lobster. And then at the same time, I didn't want to pay for the lobster because I didn't really order the lobster. But right. then I started to have, like, lobster guilt. That's all I can describe it as. Because he was holding this lobster. And I thought, boy, how did that guy even get to Texas? You know, he's already had it's it. Nice. Right? It's, it's not like he's he's around. this way. Well, we don't live in Maine, okay? And so I thought he said, well, I can take them back. And then I thought, well, will the lobster make it back to the tank at the, <laughs> the grocery store? Aww. And I thought then, what, well, well, maybe the more humane thing to do would be to just take the lobster and cook them up. But I didn't really want the lobster, and I didn't want to pay for it. So I sent them back, um, uh, and they wow. took them back. But uh, now that I'm out of quarantine, I shop in that grocery store, I, I, I just can't go buy the lobster
1: I thought you were going to say you're now visiting the lobster. But no, you're just shunning shunning the lobster out of your own personal guilt.
2: So much lobster guilt. I can't even tell you.
0: <laughs> okay. You know, did they get the rest of the order right? And the lobster was just, a, you know, an outlier or yes, what? It was. Oh, I, I thought I, you might have gotten someone's whole other order, okay, like some lovely. fancy prunes.
2: No, it was my order, but I don't, like, I know I didn't order it. And I look back on my order sheet i know i didn't order a lobster so i i hope he's okay that's all (laughs)
1: Okay, well, that is exciting. That's an exciting thing to happen during quarantine. So, at least, you, at least you got a good story out of it. Yep. All right. Well, last week, as we noted, we were off. It was Listener Appreciation Week, but there was, there was quite a bit happening in the news. People, you may have noticed, and uh, I think that we have really entered. I'm hoping we have entered what I'm just going to call a season of female firsts, sisters, because there was boom, 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 uh, three great things. Well, many more than three, but first up. Uh, last week, Kamala Harris became the first female vice president elect of the United States and the first woman of color to be elected to that job. So, what are you going to say? More, 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 please. Uh, I just think if, when I watch that, it's it's always so emotional to see a woman who is a first in anything really take her place on the stage and really, really own that moment, which I feel like she did. But even more than that, for me, one of the most important things she said was what her mother used to say to her, which is that it's great to be the first, but it's really important to be, to, to not be the last, right? And. You know, when you think about we've been doing Satellite Sisters for 20 years now, we're always talking about this. This is a constant theme, like the power of the sisterhood and and how important that is. So we are all for not being the last. And here's congratulations to our new vice president elect. And here's to many more. Right. Many more.
0: Yeah, I just thought it was a, it's an important glass ceiling to shatter, Liz. I was thinking about the women we've had the opportunity to either talk about or talk to on Satellite Sisters. You know, we were able to see you and I, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, obviously the mm-hmm. first female Supreme Court justice. We spoke with Sally Ride on the show. Oh, remember? Spoke that with, was so great. You know, we, t- we spoke with Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. She was the first in that lofty position and, you know, as a single mom at that, that was something else. So it's one thing to say to a little girl, you can be anything, but it's really another thing to see it. So uh, I was a female first, uh, a glass shattered and very important, I think.
1: Okay. Okay. So next up, um, this, I read this headline, a record setting ascent of El Capitan Emily Harrington is the first woman to free climb the Golden Gate Route up El Capitan, which, you know, you hear about this all the time. But do you really know what it is? Mm. In, ca- <laughs> <laughs> in case you don't, it's a 3000 foot high monolith in Yosemite. Yeah. So I'm going to put the a link to this particular story in the show notes. There are just three things I want to call out from the story. It's, it's all fascinating, but, uh, number one, first of all, this whole free climbing
2: thing, uh, what the heck? I just don't even,
1: you know,
0: I, <laughs> I know.
2: Right, Julie? Like what? I don't know. I mean, you are just, I mean, Liz, you know, we've done some mountaineering there in Patagonia, but you know, yeah. the idea that you're like holding on with one toe and one knuckle, it's just, it is mind boggling how they do it. And yeah. it is quite, accomplishment
1: yeah yeah so the article says this is my first note the climb went smoothly until she attempted a difficult pitch in the sun around noon her fingers were so slick with sweat that she slipped off so then she had to rest for 30 minutes and try again when she tried again she smacked her head against the wall (laughs) And suddenly, she writes, there was blood everywhere. So, okay, so, so now she's got a huge head wound, and she still has a third of the way to go. But what did she do? She did it. She just continued. She said she checked her vital signs, uh, realized she was okay, and she persisted. So that's amazing. Okay, note number two from this story is that she was accompanied all the way up the route, Alex Honnold accompanied her and you, you may remember he's the guy whose free solo climb was in the movie free solo. So, so Alex Honnold was with her for the first two thirds. And then her boyfriend was with her for the final third and get this, her boyfriend, it says, Miss Harrington's boyfriend, Adrian Ballinger is a professional whom she met atop Mount Everest now, oh, wow.
2: <laughs> is that a separate dating app? The Mount Everest? Dating app? I don't know. What are the chances
1: that the man of your dreams is going to be on the top of Mount Everest? <laughs> Maybe that's where the man of my dreams is. And I've just never been. So I'll never know. Right? But, uh, yeah, if you, meet, if you meet your boyfriend to the top of Mount Everest, that just feels like fate. And then the third thing I want to say about this one is she said that as she climbed, she repeated a mantra. And here's her mantra. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. Okay, you got wow. that? Wow. Deep, right? Yeah. Slow yeah. is smooth. Smooth is fast. I'm going to try that as my mantra for 2021. I feel like, because it's basically, you know, the slower you go, the faster you go. That's the perfect pandemic mantra, if, if you ask me. Okay, so that is, uh, that is one, two, three from the story of Emily Harrington. And then the third female first that we all wanted to talk about is that Kim Ng was named the first ever major league baseball general manager by the miami marlins and uh so here's someone she had previously worked at the dodgers at the yankees at major league baseball she's also the first asian american general manager and she started as an intern okay so all of you interns out there you can do it (laughs) started as an intern. But then I saw this Facebook post, which really struck me. So the, my, my Facebook friend, Roy Johnson was an editor, was assistant managing editor at Sports Illustrated a million years ago when, when I was also working in the sports um, industry. And he said in 2003, so this is Roy's post in 2003, I persuaded managing editor Terry McDonnell to publish a list of the 101 most influential minorities in sports and put it on the cover so that was a very big deal at the time um roy was also one of the the leaders of the national association of black journalists and he said i'm very proud of our prediction for number 38 kim Ng, who was then vp and assistant gm of the los angeles dodgers check out the first sentence i ain't bragging much but dang it we called it and sure enough, in the first sentence of this thing he wrote about Kim in 2003, it's, he wrote, write it down. Ing may become baseball's first general manager. So oh, that,
2: Liz, that gives me the chills. Just I know. Isn't it is exciting. That a, Very yeah. exciting for her.
1: And I just feel like, like all of the women we just named, you're like, you're out there, you're toiling, you're doing it, you're practicing, you're at it, you're at it, you're at it. And, you know, occasionally. We share these triumphs together. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not doing any of these hard, th- hard three things I just mentioned, but, no. but that's why we like to take extra time to shout out to the women who are accomplishing it.
0: Yeah, I'd also like to give credit to my man, uh, Marlins owner, Derek Jeter, my favorite yep. my favorite shortstop, the captain. Uh, I saw a wonderful interview with Kim Ng on Good Morning America. And it was Robin Roberts, who, of course, came from sports, that spoke to her. And she said getting hired was like a weight being lifted. She said it was a relief because she'd interviewed for these jobs before. She had 30 years in the tw- Trenches. She said she was starting to question her own ability and thought it never might happen for her. And she just commended Derek Jeter because she said he was fearless in making this decision. Uh, And she was so excited. She has four sisters and she told her mom and four sisters. And even though they're sad that she has to move to Miami, they were thrilled for her. It was a really nice interview. I'll try to post that in our Facebook group because I found it really inspiring. And Robin is, you know, so was so supportive and she just reminded Kim, like, you've earned this. Like, yes, yeah. Derek Jeter hired you, but you earned this. So a really nice moment for her and for both oh, of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Still not going to be a Marlins fan, but that's okay.
2: <laughs> I
0: can't. You are hard, Leanne. You are hard. Or you are loyal. You
1: have your teams. That's it. You have your standards. That's good. <laughs> Even for Jeter, you wouldn't
0: do that. Okay. <laughs> I may take a, a, a lot. An interest now, I will say that. I'm going to keep an eye on her. I'm going to keep an eye on her. <laughs> All right. Uh, next week on the show, it is our Thanksgiving show. Oh, we're just full of specials, but this is special. So let's hope it happens. Sheila and Monica are returning to Satellite Sisters. For newer listeners, and you don't know who Sheila and Monica are, those are our two other sisters. Nothing tragic has happened to them. They just <laughs> stepped away from the show a while ago. And Every once in a while, they come on back. So they're preparing some material for you. Um, they have their own style, and we're going to give them a whole segment or more on the show. But that's happening, and that's going to be uh, Thanksgiving week. We're also going to talk about what you're up to for Thanksgiving and some controversial side dishes from around the country. So uh, that's Ooh. all on next week's Satellite Sisters. <laughs> give you something to cook and clean your house, too, next week. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to actor, comedian, writer Writer Michael Ian Black, about his new better man, a mostly serious letter to my son. So stay with us. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support satellite sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow. Do we we love Osea's skin and body care? And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) We're so happy to welcome Michael Ian Black to Satellite Sisters. His new book, A Better Man, A Mostly Serious Letter to My Son, is really extraordinary. And I think Julie and I both agree, as the mother of sons, we just loved it in a special way. Uh, Michael, thanks for being on Satellite Sisters.
3: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, but Michael, this is Liz. First,
1: I have a totally non-serious thing I need to bring up. Yeah, uh, which is you or may or may not know that my sister Sheila gave me a birthday cameo greeting from you, Michael, because <laughs> uh,
3: was it terrific?
1: It was so terrific. I've been thinking about it ever since. It was September. I just have one question for you. Yeah. Hey, first of all, you're excellent at it. Secondly, Thank it was my it was my intro to Cameo. But third, okay, you were standing outside. You were wearing a hat, sort of some kind of explorer-ish hat. Uh, you were, and you said you were uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail, mm-hmm. but... I'm guessing you were really just in your own backyard in Connecticut. So I don't want, I don't want to spoil the illusion, but I was dying to know. <laughs> I was,
3: in fact, hiking the Appalachian Trail.
2: Oh, <laughs> were you really? Yeah. We so doubted you, Michael. We
3: didn't wow. At I, all. Just, I
1: just thought it was good comedy, Michael. Now I'm
3: really <laughs> impressed. So- well, it is good comedy, but it also happened to be true. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, I'm just impressed you had a signal out there wherever you were. I'm even more grateful now for the birthday gift. What section of the trail did you do?
3: Well, I live in the wilds of Connecticut, and I was doing the Connecticut portion of the Appalachian Trail.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that is fantastic to know. It makes the gift even more special. Thank you for... That.
3: You're welcome. And I'm, I was stressed out because the signal isn't very good in many places. So <laughs> I was trying to find places where I could record a cameo where there was also signal. And I'm glad it worked out.
2: It
1: was
3: Michael,
2: great. We should know that uh, three sisters, we all grew up in Connecticut, and we had no idea the Appalachian Trail went through Connecticut. <laughs> I'm, I am shocked.
3: I'm I am i didn't either, actually. I, I, I th- I've harbored a long time ambition to hike the Appalachian Trail for reasons that I don't fully understand because I don't enjoy going outside or long bouts of walking, but I've had it in my head for years that one day I was gonna hike the Appalachian Trail. And so when the pandemic happened, um, I decided to uh, entertain that fancy. So I bought some camping equipment And I didn't realize the Appalachian Trail went through Connecticut either until I was just looking at places to hike in Connecticut and found that it does go through the western portion. And so that's what I did. I hiked for 50-something miles over the course of five days, five and a half days, uh, uh, broken up into two different trips. And uh, it was great.
0: Wow. I
1: (laughs) I have you man, taken any- man of many talents. Many talents.
3: Well, I don't know that walking in a line is a particular <laughs> talent.
1: Okay. All right. A man of many interests. We'll give you that. How about that? <laughs> All right,
3: I'll take it. <laughs>
0: Um, you know, it's a pleasure to talk to you about your new book A Better Man, a mostly serious letter to my son because it's just so personal and you really went deep on it and the origins of this book frankly are pretty dark. The Sandy Hook shooting which happens in your town, your kids were at school in uh, the next school over. Yeah, it wasn't Did in, you,
3: it was in the next town over.
0: Okay. Did you think writing this book would take you so many different places because you delve into your childhood and your parents' relationship and various aspects of American history? Like, What did you think you were getting into when you started this mostly serious letter to your son?
3: I was reluctant to even attempt it because I suspected I would have to go into a lot of different areas, most of which I didn't feel qualified particularly to write about, such as American history and gender theory and sociology and the rest of it. Um, I knew that if I wrote about this topic, I would probably have to talk and would want to talk a lot about my own history with it and my own relationship, uh, with both of my parents, my mother and father. Um, and it would have to be, I would, I would have to be really open and honest. So yeah, I was reluctant to write it. I, I, I didn't know whether I would be capable and I didn't know if I was the best person to write a book like this.
0: Well, I, I can say as the mother of two sons, I think you did a good job. <laughs> because one of one of the myths about boys is that they're unemotional. You know, you write in the book that you have both a boy and a girl, and you're shocked to hear how early sexism starts. And I would yep. say uh, I heard from the very beginning, like, oh, boys are easy. Girls are hard. Boys <laughs> are easy. And uh, they were easy till they hit seventh grade. And then they were just a mess of hormones and emotions and energy. And they didn't know what to do with themselves. And you really kind of come clean on a lot of, you know, what was going on in your life as a child. Why do you think that myth persists that boys are unemotional?
3: Um I think it's a self I think it's self-perpetuating. I think we train our boys to be unemotional and so boys think they're supposed to be unemotional. But we're not. We're humans. So we <laughs> right. have all the same emotions that women have. I mean, it's it's ridiculous to think that boys somehow don't have the full range of human experience. Of course we do. Uh, the same way that girls uh have always been strong and girls have always had a fierceness and toughness to them. It's just that they weren't really encouraged to express those sides of themselves. Now they are, but boys still aren't really encouraged to show the full range of our emotional lives.
0: Do you feel like you've done a better job with your son, letting him be emotional or drawing that out than maybe your dad did with you?
3: Um, I mean, I want to say yes, but right. (laughs) Right. But I think, there's, I think there's, there's, there's factors at play that mitigate my un, unreserved enthusiasm for my own parenting. First of all, like I'm not particularly good at it. Like I grew up withdrawn, you know, and I grew up un, unable after a certain age to really express emotion. And of course, like I made all the right noises to my kids about being open and vulnerable and all the rest of it, but I'm not necessarily modeling it. Um, in my own household, I tried to I tried to, you know, and I, and I think I've come a long way. The other part of it is that, you know, parenting doesn't happen in isolation, we are all swimming in the same cultural waters. And for as much as any parent can try to model and try to set an example, the larger culture is also going to have a strong influence on However, your kids um, right. emerge into 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 society. So, you know, my son is definitely, I think, more expressive emotionally than I was at his age, which is good. He's not nearly as withdrawn as I was <laughs> at his age, but he also doesn't suffer from depression like I do. So, um, you know, I don't. I'm I'm always loath to take credit for anything as a parent because at some point they're going to do something stupid and I'm going to have to take responsibility for it. So
2: Yeah, that's a very wise position. Me, you know? <laughs> they're their people. They're their own creatures. Right? That's yeah. absolutely correct. But, you know, you do obviously have some influence over them. Of yeah. course.
0: Yeah, I was really struck uh, you have a some really lovely essays, particularly about your father that are tough and about love and fatherhood. And in one of your essays, you're writing about the fact that your dad never told you he loved you. And you, you write, when I was younger, I used to think about what that cost me. Now as a parent, I think about what it must have cost him. And I was really struck by that. What do you, why do you think he couldn't say it? What, what do you think it did cost him?
3: I think he grew up in a household and an, and in a time where men weren't really expected to, or necessarily even allowed to express love directly like that. Mm-hmm. Um, his father, who I didn't know very well, I knew him a little bit, was a cop in New York city. Um, I have a sense of what that household was like when my dad was growing up and I, I don't think it was a very happy place. I think it was a lot of stony silence going on in that household, and I think my dad grew up wanting to be um, wanting to conform and wanting to be the kind of guy that he was expected to be, which was I think a kind of stoic, strong um, man 's man yeah, but he wasn 't those things you know my dad was a pretty sensitive guy, I think, and and he was um, bookish and he was shy and reserved. And I think he, I, you know, my sense now of him, and this might just be projection because he died a long time ago. It, my sense of him now looking back is that he was never fully comfortable in his own skin. And part of that was, I think a lot of that had to do with the household and times in which he was raised. I think he would do, I think he would have done much better if he'd grown up now and had the kind of support um, and kind of, uh, cultural support, I mean, to be more of the kind of guy he was, which was a sort of nerdy, gentle bookish dude.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I liked when you wrote that, you know, even though it was hard for your dad to say, I love you, that the, the most difficult words for a man to say are not, I love you, but I need help, which, (laughs) and any Anyone who's ever known a man knows that's true. Why is it hard to ask for help? Why? I mean, it's almost a comedy cliche, the map, the directions, but it's so much deeper than that. Why, why can't you ask for help, Michael? What's wrong? What's happening?
3: Uh, I think it's because guys are taught primarily to be strong. That, that is yeah. how we are meant to project ourselves into the world, as, as strong and almost invulnerable. Like, you know, you can't hurt us. Um, it's, it's a survival mechanism and it's very old and to ask for help is to say, wait a minute, I'm vulnerable here. I can't do something. Men are supposed to be able to do stuff. And if I get lost, it's a failure of me, not just knowing how to read a map, but it's, it's almost a failure of my manhood. And it's, there's a deep humiliation that comes with admitting that you are not um, this invulnerable creature, that you need help at times. And it's terrible because we all need help. Right. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I, like there's things in my life, in my household, I don't know anybody as stupid as I am about the way, <laughs> like my, the, the way my house works. Like my wife's like. I called to get the propane tank filled. And I was like, how did you know to do that? <laughs> like, why would you even think to do that? She's like, well, what would happen? She goes, what would happen if like you went to turn on the stove and it, and it didn't work? Like, what would you think to do? I'd be like, I guess I would think we'd have to get a new stove. Like, it would never <laughs> occur to me that the propane was out.
0: <laughs> oh, well, you're, you're really big into failing though and floundering. That's one thing you advise your son to do is to really make yourself uncomfortable, That that's a super healthy thing. So congratulations. It feels like you're achieving that in your own home in many ways.
2: <laughs> <That's
0: good. laughs> I'm wondering if your son's actually read the book. I mean, you read you wrote this for him when he was on route to college. Did he actually get to go to college in this time? And how is he doing there? And has he actually read the book? Uh,
3: he did get to go his freshman year. He had to come back right around spring break and he hasn't been back since. And uh, he's actually just walking into my view right now. <laughs> i find an interview and they're asking if he read the book. And the answer is sort of. He's giving me okay. the sort, of, uh, sort of indication, which is to say, he told me he read most of it. Yeah, I take to mean he read maybe the first twenty pages.
2: Does yeah. <laughs> he does he mind that he's in the book and that uh, you know you're talking to us about him and and all of that? Because I know my sons, when we first started Satellite Sisters, pretty much thought that was the worst thing ever, that his mother and his, their, their aunts would be sitting around talking about stuff.
3: Yeah. She
2: said, That's any teenage boy's nightmare, yeah.
3: Deeply humiliating for any child, Parent discussing them in any way, shape, or form. Um, but he's actually, I, he's, I think, well, used to it, first of all, because I'm a comedian. And so I talk about both of my kids on stage sometimes. Um, but I, I don't think you minded, did you, that I wrote a book about you? He's, he's shaking his head now.
0: Okay. <laughs> this is a good action, live action drama we're having <laughs> Yes, here. Thank well, you. We appreciate it, it
3: was, that. It 12.20 in the afternoon, and he's just emerged from his bedroom for the first time today. Okay. Um, which, you know, par for the course, he's 19. And, right. And yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Is there, you know, Michael, do you think you'll write the same book for your daughter? Is there a need to write one for your daughter? <laughs>
3: you know, I, I, I've thought about, um, and there's a couple, there's a couple reasons why I don't think I will. The first is that like, I feel like the last thing a young woman needs is some dude mansplaining to her how to be a better woman. Like that just doesn't (laughs) seem like it would go over particularly well, even among my daughter. And if you know, my daughter, especially among my daughter. And the second reason, is that there's so many, I think, really good books out there by women addressed to women about this same topic from a female point of view. But there were, I didn't feel like there were a lot of books about this from guys to guys. There's some books from women to guys about this. And I've, I've been speaking with some of those authors and they're terrific. Um, but just like from a guy to another guy, these books just don't seem to exist very much. So I will probably just write her a check when she graduates (laughs) instead of.
2: That is (laughs) some real paternal uh, love. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's some top-notch parenting. (laughs)
2: Top-notch parenting,
3: Michael. Well, I mean, don't, wouldn't your kids prefer cash to some manuscript? Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm, 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 I have. Yeah, Yeah. laughing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, straight cold, hard cash is good. (laughs) You know, you brought this book out in the middle of a pandemic. Um, It hasn't, I'm sure, been easy. Has there been something that has surprised you about doing this kind of book tour where you're not able to do in-person events, but where maybe you're accessing a lot more venues than you used to virtually? Uh, Have you enjoyed that?
3: It's definitely a mixed bag. There's definitely pluses to it. I mean, for one thing... I'm, I i do not have to leave my house. And I like, I like that. And and more than that, I'm not allowed to leave my house. And which which is such a nice excuse to not go anywhere. Like, oh, I can't, there's a pandemic like that. That's such a good excuse to not go anywhere or do anything. Um, On the other hand, I was kind of looking forward to getting out and doing a book tour and meeting people and having in-person conversations. You know, I've been doing a lot of like, Zoom book events. And those are okay. They, I mean, they're okay. If you look at it as just like a one-on-one conversation with a moderator and you don't worry about who's there. I never check to see if even anybody's there. Cause I'm always afraid the answer is going to be no. Yeah. So <laughs> I just look at it as like just one-on-one conversations. And those have actually been really nice.
0: Yeah. As I'm wondering if there are, you had any grand takeaways from the pandemic that you could help us out with here before Thanksgiving has, what are you doing there in Connecticut for Thanksgiving? Uh,
3: my little family, the four of us are going to be alone. Um, we are entertaining the daughter of a friend of ours, a good friend of ours who lives in London and our daughter and her um, have been friends since they were babies and she goes to boarding school in Massachusetts and she can't travel back. Um, I think for two weeks or something, or I don't, I don't, I don't even know what the, what the legalities of it are at the moment, but we're entertaining her, um, for a little while and then she'll hopefully be able to fly back to London.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So just a small gathering there. And uh, you're having the turkey and you're having the stuffing. And uh, is there going to be bittersweet on the table and everything?
3: (laughs) (laughs) There's been a lot of conversation around the topic of stuffing in my household because we may. And in fact, I think we are going to have macaroni and cheese instead of <gasps> stuffing, which, which will be a first for us. <laughs> okay.
2: Well, that's that's a really wrong turn, Michael.
3: <laughs> you think that's a wrong turn? Oh,
2: really wrong turn, yeah. I disagree. I, I
1: think I think you got to try it. This is the year. If there was ever a year to go with an alternative side, this is the year. Mac and cheese. I would be all in.
3: My, my take on Thanksgiving is you're allowed to try two alternates per year you have to have you have you have to have mostly traditional but you can mess around on the margins Mm -hmm. and so you can mess around with mac and cheese over stuffing you don't have to have sweet potatoes you can do something else um but but your building blocks have to be there mostly just turkey
2: michael i hate to just get really worked up about this but it's a building block you can have both but don't i
3: know people get very upset when you start with their thanksgiving (laughs) dinner. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. or, I know, I'd, I'd like to check in
2: yeah
0: yeah i'd like to check in to see how the mac and cheese does on top of the turkey the next day on the sandwich i think that's <laughs> going to be the call there whether you regret this the stuffing lack but um we appreciate it i'm sure you'll have a beautiful thanksgiving with your family thanks so much for writing this beautiful book a better man mostly serious le- letter to my son uh have a wonderful holiday michael
3: Thank you all so much for having me and thanks for the fun conversation.
0: Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Liz, summer is coming up and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and for chilling sure. there yes. with, your, with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in
1: Bend for part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leon. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is <laughs> but, uh, what a... Uh, what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks.
0: I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. Butcher Box gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass fed beef, free range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate free, and wild caught seafood. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash sisters and use code SISTERS to choose your free-for-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Okay, we're back. Great to be back. It was fun to talk to Michael Ian Black. I think he was like doing the dishes or wrapping Christmas <laughs> gifts. What was happening there? He was living his life, <laughs> Leanne. He was living his life there. I appreciate that.
2: It was, it was nice. Chopping up some cheese, grating cheese for his mac and cheese. I don't know.
0: <laughs> you're, you're concerned about the mac and cheese. It's oh, a, yeah, I know. It's he's,
2: a, he's, that's a really wrong decision. Not yeah. That
0: okay.
1: <laughs> sorry. But don't we have this on the agenda for next week to yes, debate yes. these controversial yes. side dishes? Yeah. Yeah. I think mac we and do. cheese is one of them.
0: We do. Hey, Liz, I want to remind people that we have a new newsletter called Pep Talk. Thanks to the many, many subscribers already. We enjoy putting it together. It comes into your inbox every Friday. It's highlights of what's been on the show, some things we have on our mind, recommendations, to-do lists, and then every week you get a little Pep Talk. Julie, people really appreciated your listener appreciation Pep Talk. That was very moving it was that well
2: was done. Well, we love our listeners, so I'm glad we had an opportunity both on the show and in pep talk to um, to thank them.
0: Yeah. And I also want to mention that Liz and I are both doing a bunch of interviews that are popping up on our Facebook group and other places. So we don't want to go through all of them on the show. But if you want to stay up to date, maybe where you can catch talks with authors or talks with business leaders, Liz and I are doing a bunch. That's all going to be in Pep Talk. So the easiest way to subscribe to Pep Talk is just go to SatelliteSisters.com. An invitation, uh, to pop. Uh, what is it called, Liz? What's the technical term? What pops up? It's a, <laughs> a form. What form uh, is it? An invitation. I don't know. A sign up. A I don't know. Whatever sign you up. can call. Yeah. Sign, sign up. up. Sign up. It's a sign up thing. It pops right up, and just put in your. And we're not selling your email. We don't even know how to do that. We so, would not just, know how to do that. There, no. <laughs> That's, that's a good point, Leon. We yeah. do know how to do it. That's We've specialized in 20 years of not monetizing anything.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> certainly not monetizing our beloved
0: listeners. No, no. no. We're, we're fine. So, we're fine just so, the way it is, our relationship with you. So go to satellitesisters.com and that form will pop up. Just fill up your email, email and every Friday pep talk in your inbox. Okay. All right.
1: Well, I want to do a little promo for cooking with Liz. But first, I, I would like to reset cooking with Liz a little bit because thinking all the way back, sisters, this was really a quarantine cooking project that I started in late March, you know, for obvious reasons. And when I started it, I thought, well, this will last for a couple of weeks. So for a couple of weeks, why don't I cook? Right. That was the whole idea. and if I had known that it was not going to be a couple of weeks that we could be stretching into next year, I would have taken the time to create a better name than cooking with Liz. <laughs> I just, you know,
2: because... it's, it's the brand manager in you. You can't, yes. just, you're it's, upset about that. It's oh.
1: not a great name considering the concept is Liz doesn't know how to cook. And so whatever, but Um, but I'm sticking with it. I'm trying to make the most of this time. We have to do what we can with this special time to grow in ways we wouldn't otherwise have grown. Right. So Mm -hmm. for me, For me, it's cooking, and I came back for the Cooking with Liz holiday season. The concept is, you guys encouraged me to just learn how to create one delicious holiday meal. That would be a special meal for those times, sometime in the future, where I might be able to have people over. So, not 2020. So, um, the first course, Julie, you gave me Martha Stewart's stuffed mushroom recipe. So, I did that a couple weeks ago. Delish, that was the appetizer. Mm -hmm. The main I did this past week, the Chateaubriand, we've already made jokes about. Chateaubriand is a scam, people, because it's unbelievably (laughs) easy. It's unbelievably easy. The thing is, it's also unbelievably expensive. So, you know, so that's, as Lian said, it's a high stakes dish, not because it's hard, but just because if you blow it, you've ruined a really expensive piece of meat. But anyway, take my word for it. I did not blow it. So this weekend, coming up this weekend, this was Leon's course. Leon got to pick the side, and Leon, you picked your favorite scalloped potatoes recipe from Silver Palette, right?
0: Right. I mean, it's a classic recipe, but I'm going to just lead you through a few steps that'll make it a little bit more elegant for a holiday dinner. So this is, this is not a super fancy one, but it's not a rustic one. And it doesn't have ham in it because it's, you already have the Chateaubriand. So we're doing, we're doing some substitutions with some, you know, things to step it up. Elevate the Scala Potatoes. Yeah.
1: Substitutions. That's some personal growth Liz, for me. No. <laughs> hey,
2: Liz, don't be worried, Liz. You can handle it at this point.
1: <laughs> so the episodes for Scala Potatoes, this is always in our Facebook group live. So noon Saturday and noon Sunday. Leah and I wanted to lock you in for a couple of things. Maybe, maybe a bonus episode on Thursday where you could just prep me a little bit. We can, you know, That's that's totally up to you, but you know, this past week I did get a bonus episode out of Ian Punnett, who was my main man, my Chateaubriand coach, and it was super helpful when it came time to cook, so we can do that. Are you available noon Thursday? (laughs) Because that would be good.
0: Yeah. Are you, okay. are you actually asking me this now on the air? Yeah. I no, mean, I'll check no. my schedule. I, I yeah. will announce, I'll, yeah. okay. I'll announce it. But
1: then you have already agreed. I haven't had any during the holiday season. I haven't had anyone at Liz's tasting window. So you have agreed Sunday that you'll come over and I will see you at my tasting window.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I, I just checked my schedule is I am available for noon. Yeah. No, okay. I'm going <laughs> to put it in the Google calendar, the satellite this, sisters, Google calendar. This is a high
2: stakes po- podcast. Live <laughs> booking of appointments.
1: Well, you know, what's super high stakes, Julie, is that on next week's podcast, I am announcing the dessert that I'll be making. Remember, I decided that the dessert that listeners could propose, whatever they wanted, as long as it was something shareable. I didn't, just want to make a big honking chocolate cake, you know, because it's just me and Hooper here. We should not be left alone with the chocolate cake for me dangerous for hooper actually deadly the chocolate and the dog so um so i wanted proposals of something shareable so on next tuesday's show which is the one that sheila and monica are allegedly joining for um i will also be announcing the dessert that i'll be making for thanksgiving weekend which will also be saturday and sunday live in the facebook group so there you go so much cooking going on
2: so much cooking (laughs) cooking with liz yeah it's yeah. great. Lizzie. See, the name just
1: sticks in your craw now, doesn't it, Julie? Like, no, you know.
2: no, I like it. Uh, you know, you've got your cute a- aprons. You've got I your do. shirt. You know, you're just doing it, Liz. So yeah. it's very entertaining. Yes. So. Okay. Well, that so is-
1: just remember peace and sauce, peace and sauce.
2: And if that is not enough enter- ent- entertainment for you, certainly I think the world is just cheering that now we can finally watch season four of The Crown. Are we on? Oh not- God. It's so I just... I, I'm savoring it. I'm savoring it. So we started <laughs> to watch it over the weekend, but I, I have an English lab, Oliver, okay? And normally he doesn't watch a lot of, he doesn't pay attention when we have the TV on. But for some reason with the with season four, the first two episodes there, it's all these shots of the Scottish Highlands of Balmora ca- Castle. They're, they're corgis running in and out, uh, He was just jumping up and down uh, watching the television screen. Really? Seen him. Yes. And so, Lee and I did a little, you know, I know people say that their dogs uh, watch TV, but in fact, there was sort of a landmark study done in 2013 animal cognition study of 2013 that don't, domestic dogs can perceive images on television similar to the way we do so he was just excited about, oliver was just excited about scotland that obviously is back to his genetic roots you know english lab oh. and, and dogs are intelligent enough to recognize on-screen images so when he really talked, well yes in oh, the cognition wow. study of 2013, check it out, Leanne. It's true. <laughs> yes. So when he sees this, when Oliver saw that stag, you know, up on the hill there, Liz. Oh, I, yeah. He really got worked up about it. Now, here's the thing if with your dogs, that um, they prefer HD TV. Okay. That <laughs> oh. is really designed for canines. Okay. <laughs> because it's a higher number of frames per minute. That really helps them a lot. And different dogs will like different shapes. So- Lian, maybe you German Shepherd. Maybe there's, I don't know, some other kind of, you know, like cooking, you know, maybe a cooking show. I don't know. What, what, do, you, what do you think? Just
0: <laughs> to, it just has to be a show without doorbells or door knocking. Because every <laughs> time a doorbell rings on TV or someone knocks on the door, she barks. She thinks it's at our house. It's just, so we can't have any of those shows. So right. cooking uh, would be good.
2: Cooking might be good. Um, but uh, Liz, does Hooper watch any shows in particular? um the, he
1: i have noticed that he responds to the audio like if there's a bird of prey in a show yeah, okay. and that that you hear the bird of prey screaming he will respond to that but yeah. um he That's- we were watching the crown the other night he'd even though he's a long low like a corgi you'd think that the corgis would get his attention because he's kind of the same shape as a corgi nope didn't bat an eye
2: Okay, well, dogs do prefer animal shows to other topics. So <laughs> I just, I you know, I'm just, I'm passing this on. You can check with that. This is really a landmark study. Can you imagine how fun that study must have been to do? To just line up a bunch of dogs and TVs and see, see what's has, has Oliver tried uh, Downton Abbey? Because that seems like that would appeal to him okay, too. Okay, <laughs> now that I know his genre, I, I think that we, we have... We have some excellent TV watching, HD TV watching uh, ahead of us. But anyway, (laughs) The Crown is back, season four. It's great. Um, And we can talk about it more later. But, you know, if you have an English lab or or a corgi, you may want to turn it on for them. (laughs) Okay,
0: good. It's quite a recommendation. All right. Well, I wasn't watching The Crown because um, I was watching a holiday series over on Netflix called Dash and Lily that I want to recommend. Now, this is based on a series of YA novels. And so this is just sort of a delightful teen romance set in New York City at Christmas time. It's eight parts, it couldn't be more charming. The leads are adorable. Midori Francis plays sort of a downtown Chinese American girl and who meets they meet cute through this notebook where they exchange clues and stuff, who meets this like waspy Upper East Side guy named uh, Dash in the in the TV show, but he's played by a super cute actor named Austin Abrams, or as my son called him, not Timothy Chalamet, but Timothy Shalom because he just <laughs> basically, it's like poor man's Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> and this Austin Abrams has unbelievable hair. So we just really enjoyed this adorable eight-part series. Just super charming. Uh, great to see New York at Christmas time. Great to see people having Christmas parties. And of course, these are New York teens, so they're doing things that like thirty-year-olds do. But that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Just go with it. Dash and Lily over on Netflix. Oh, that sounds good. And then I know we had a lot of people in the Facebook group say how much they've enjoyed The Queen's Gambit, which is a new series over on Netflix. So I just wanted to let you know if you enjoyed The Queen's Gambit, particularly if you enjoyed the star, Anya Taylor-Joy, she was in a remake of Emma that came out right as the pandemic was happening. So I think it had a brief moment in the theaters, uh, and then now it's on Hulu. And it's directed by Autumn DeWinter, who's a visual artist, a female director, who's been around a long time. And it's sort of a delightful, quirky take on Emma, and Anya Taylor-Joy, who starred in The Queen's Gambit, also stars in this version of Emma. So I wanted to recommend that to people. If they if they are done with The Queen's Gambit and they can't get enough Anya Taylor-Joy, she's over there at Emma on Hulu. Oh,
1: okay. I'm adding that to my list, leigh That sounds okay. good.
0: Yeah, it was good. It's good. Uh, yeah. It's, again, British people, maybe Oliver would enjoy that because I'm trying to, there were some horses and some dogs. I think you might enjoy that, Julie. <laughs> we're, we're we're going to add it to our list. Okay, good. <laughs> um, all right, that's it for Satellite Sisters this week. We'd like to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Ergi- Sergio. I really appreciate it. I had to talk me down off a ledge earlier when we were trying to connect with our guests and I'm happy to be here, right? are our, yes. our sisters? It's always okay. a miracle. It's always a miracle. Whew. We'd also like to thank the team at Wondery who's done such a great job for us here in 2020, even though we're all working remotely and we miss you. Thank you so much for your support there. All right, it's time for our to-do list. Julie, you, you have kind of a big idea for your to-do I list. Do, I, I do,
2: My, here it is. Perk it up, perk it up. That's my theme for this week. It's really my theme for the next six weeks. I, I just feel, and I know many people share this too. This is going to be hard. The holidays are going to be hard. You know, the cases of COVID are going up. And people like me, you know, and like you, Liz, you and you, Leon, and our listeners. You know, uh, people in our life count on us not not to, like, get down. Right. They count on us to, you know, to be stay optimistic, uh, to to keep going, to just to make it through this. And but sometimes you need things to help you. So you need to perk it up. Like I just turned on my Christmas lights. OK, mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care that it's not we haven't had Thanksgiving. OK, perk it up. I'm turning them on. <laughs> I bought myself some dish towels because I just thought it might perk me up. And if I'm perked up, then maybe I can send out more positive vibes in, you know, in the world. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing. I'm perking it up this week. I'm trying to stay in a positive, positive zone so that I can, the pe- my family, my friends, the people that need us in our lives, that we can help support each other. How about that? Yep.
1: yep. Hopefully a little positivity can be contagious too, right? Just <laughs> yeah.
2: spread the positivity. Well, you know, perk it up. That's what I say.
0: All right. Well, my to do list this week is work it up, uh, actually, (laughs) um, because I have like one more burst of a lot of work uh, for 2020. And it's this week. And I have a lot happening this week. Like every hour of every day, I have calls and Zoom things and book events and interviews with other people and deadlines. And I'm working on a new writing project. So, I got one more week to get through what's kind of a chaotic schedule. And then I'm looking forward to the next six weeks of the year when things calm down a little bit, but this week I got to work it up. And so I'm trying to stay focused and get to Friday.
1: Okay. Well, sisters, this is Liz, believe it or not, my to-do list is Herb it up. Uh, (laughs) But let me explain. I think, you know, you spending too much time like alone scrolling, 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 when you start buying things from Instagram, right? Yeah.
0: That's, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. that is
1: not something I ever did before the current unpleasantness. Why would I do that? Uh, and yet now in the last month, twice, I have made purchase purchases from Instagram. The first was, you know, just a pair of shoes. Uh, they just looked super comfy in the moment. And anyway, uh, so I got those. But then about 10 days ago, I saw this cute little cart. It was like a little rolling cart for your yard where you could put a little herb garden in there or something. Mm-hmm. It's like a little planter cart, but you know, so it's, you don't have to, I don't have a yard, so <laughs> it, it, would, fit, uh,
2: it I would fit. Point that out, but I, I just have to hear. Yes. yeah. But it was,
1: it's like small scale for a terrace. And I don't know what came over me. I just thought, well, if I had one of those, then I could actually attempt growing something, just like a little bit of something, just a little bit of you know, herbs or I don't know what. I don't know what. So next thing I knew, I uh, I bought it, and uh, <laughs> and the box is here. Uh, it's still right by my front door, just inside the front door. Um, this is the week I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to assemble a cart that I. That I bought on Instagram, I just have no way of predicting how this is going to come out.
2: I think it might perk you up, Liz. So good yes. luck. Yeah, I think it would. I,
1: like, if I can figure out how to put the cart together. Uh, so, because if you can't, it's uh, who's gonna who's gonna do it? Hooper? Uh, yeah. So, but no, I'm fe- feeling optimistic about it, Julie. I think good. I'm gonna have this cute little cart, and I'm gonna be
0: able to just like, I don't know what I'm going, to call it. but first I got to get the cart built. Well, I'm excited for 2021. Gardening with Liz. All right. Sisters, have a good week. You too, Liam. You too, Liam. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.